All right, so I will just give you a couple things before we go. I uh, don't want to give you a lot of preamble, uh, I, I, which is kind of difficult because the tension in this movie is just amazing. I think this is one of the best movies I have ever seen, even though the Oscar went to somebody else. Don't don't really care. Uh, I And a lot of me liking this movie doesn't all do with Heath Ledger's performance as the Joker. I think Aaron Eckhart does a great job as Harvey Dent. Uh, some people don't like Christian Bale as Batman, but I actually do. Uh, this movie was shot all with IMAX cameras. It's one of the few movies that have ever been shot all with IMAX cameras. And we're going to watch the Blu-ray, so you guys actually get to see the wide footage they got with a lot of those cameras. If you just get a normal DVD, they didn't put the IMAX footage all into it. They cut it down so you can't really see it. Uh, now, unlike Batman Begins, which redefined Batman, this movie isn't even really so much about Batman. It actually examines an entire culture of the city of Gotham. I also think the culture of our world. Uh, the Dark Knight refers to Batman, but they even took the, the name Batman out of the title. It's the first Batman movie that's been made that doesn't actually have the name Batman in the title. Uh, the film is about a broken city. It's about a broken world and the characters that inhabit this, and Batman just happens to be one of those characters. Everybody in the movie has a story arc. Bruce Wayne, Commissioner Gordon, Harvey Dent. Uh, I think Harvey Dent has probably the most important story arc in this movie. Uh, the, the Dark Knight is about the destabilization of known order. The entire movie is how everyone reacts and evolves based upon the introduction of a new force called the Joker. Uh, in the beginning of the film, Batman, he's kind of godlike at this point. Everybody has, has kind of gravitated to who the Batman is. He even has image bearers who try to be like him at the beginning of the movie. And so the question people ask is, is Batman a hero? Uh, Christopher Nolan, who does this and did The Prestige and Inception and all of that, he actually said about his Batman, he says, Heroes become su Hero becomes such a bandied about word used so broadly that it ceases to have any meaning. Is Batman a hero? Certainly he is more a hero than a superhero, but I think the word hero is very problematic. So at the outset of the movie, the, the guy who's directing it and writing the movie says, Hero, well, I don't know if that really kind of fits all together. Batman has a rich history, 60 years of legacy. 1939, the, the comics start. Bob Kane creates this. He creates Batman with the idea of Zorro that can fly. And that, that was kind of his idea. And you mix that with a little bit of Sherlock Holmes, a little bit of The Shadow. And he, he was looking at drawings of Leonardo da Vinci. And one of the things Leonardo da Vinci said that if man is ever to fly, it'll be in the form of the bat. And so he goes, oh, and so he kind of puts these things together and, and makes bat wings, and then you get the Batman. So uh, when the original story of the Batman origin that most of us know his parents die outside of a theater and it causes them to you know, want to get justice, uh, originally this was only two pages in the original comic book. Uh, you know, where the parents walk out, they get shot. Uh, in the 40s, you, what you see in the comic books is Batman, he's kneeling, or Bruce Wayne kneeling down at his bedside in prayer. And he makes a solemn vow that he's going to stop crime. So he you know, perfects his body and his mind, and he needs one last thing. He doesn't know what it is, and he looks up and he sees a bat. And so that's like the, the last thing. But the whole thing about what he did, it was a solemn vow, and his life is then dedicated to that vow. In the 1950s, you get the happy Batman, all smiles with Robin, piff, bam, pow. Uh, this is because of something that was called the Comics Code. Uh, there's a book that came out called The Seduction of the Innocent, and it blamed all of teenagers' ills and angst and all their, all their negative behavior on comic books. 
That's right. So the code was written, so everything had to be happy. So in the 60s, you get the TV show, which is just awful. Uh, the 70s, you get, you get a bit more serious storyline. You know, how does Bruce Wayne feel about his parents' death? You get to the 80s, and you start to get a grimmer Batman again. Uh, he's usually shown being beaten up, bloodied, dealing with a lot of the 80s issues, which gets you in the 1989 and Tim Burton's Batman movie where he's a stunted child who beats up the bad guys for killing Mommy and Daddy. And that continues all the way through the 90s. If, if you contrast something like Superman with Batman, Superman comes down from the sky. He is sent by his father. He is an alien. He's from another place. He saves people. He walks among us like a humble man, but he is not one of us. And he takes off his glasses, and he becomes a savior. And then you have the Batman, who is just a self-made man. Among DC comic peers, he is like the only normal person if you can call what he does normal. Uh, other comic book writers have speculated that if all the superheroes in the DC comic book uh, universe got together and they fought, they said, well, who would win? And the answer, almost resoundingly, from all the writers is Batman. Batman. Because he is the only one, they say, who is cynical and jaded enough to think that could actually happen, and he has already devised a way to take everyone else out. Uh, actually, in one of the Batman comic books, he actually carries around a vial of kryptonite in his belt. Just in case Superman goes off the rails, he can take him out. Uh, in, in Nolan's Batman, they, they begin to redefine him, especially with Batman Begins. And is he a hero? Uh, Christopher Nolan again says, to me, he's, he is a hero because he is altruistic. He is trying to help others with no benefit to himself, regardless of whatever motivates him. And so that, he says, that's what distinguishes him from the common vigilante and what the Batman does. He's not seeking personal vengeance, but justice that is about, and that's what you see in Christopher Nolan's Batman. Uh, Batman Begins, if, you, if you've seen, if you haven't seen Batman Begins, you should watch Batman Begins because it's, it's a great origin story. But in Batman Begins, he kind of takes all this angst away from Batman. Instead of making his life about one event, he makes it about a mission. He, he, at one point, Bruce Wayne goes to kill the guy that has killed his parents, and someone else kills that guy instead of him. Uh, the guy's name is Joe Chill, just in case you're wondering. And somebody else kills him, and so that gets taken away from him. So he ends up on this long mission that kind of makes him in to who he is. And so in this movie now, uh, Batman has people doing things in his name, very religious connotations to it. There's also political connotations that people have placed upon this movie. Uh, there are, there's insurgencies, there's violent escalation, there's human bombs, large buildings get destroyed, and then the reaction to this is then in questionable interrogation methods, superpowers coming under criticism, they decide to do illegal wiretapping, you know, to get the job done, and then they cover it up in the end so that a public's faith can be restored. And even when there is success, the superpower is then vilified. At the, at, I'll, I'll give you the end of the movie if you haven't seen it, but this is just a very small thing. The Batman says, let them hate me, let them vilify me, I got the job done. I'm not saying that Batman is George W. Bush, but it kind of sounds a little <laughs> the same and it's a little interesting. So I'll give you a few little facts about the movie and then we'll just start it. Uh, after seeing uh, his performance in Thank You for Smoking, Christopher Nolan thought Aaron Eckhart would be great for Harvey Dent, and he sought him out to play Harvey Dent in this movie. Uh, there's a false title given to the movie when they were doing production of it, and they called it Rory's First Kiss. Uh, Rory is the name of one of Christopher Nolan's kids, and so that's what they put on all the things. So, so what, what movie are you filming? Oh, it's called Rory's First Kiss. Oh, and kind of got around it. Um, there's a lot of speculation out there but among people about who was going to portray the Joker. Christopher Nolan never had anybody else in mind but Heath Ledger to play the Joker. 
because he thought he was fearless. Uh, Nestor Carbonell, who is from Lost, he's the guy with the eyeliner. Do you ever watch Lost? Uh, he plays the mayor in this movie, and I think it's so funny because nobody ever watched this show, but it's called, there's a show called The Tick. In The Tick, there was this guy called Batmanuel and, who made fun of it, and, and he was Batmanuel in, in The Tick. Nobody cares. Okay, whatever. So this, this movie takes six, six, place six months after Batman Begins, so six months have passed. Uh, in filming in Chicago when they were doing this movie, Wanted, that movie is filmed at the exact same time. And so Morgan Freeman would go from set to set back and forth because he was doing parts in both movies. And at one point, Mark Millar, who actually wrote Wanted and he was directing the movie Wanted, found out that they were shooting uh, you know, the next Batman movie. So he kind of snuck on the set and they found him sitting on top of the bat pod and they security escorted him out and said, you've got to go, buddy. Uh, there's there's a chase scene in this where there's the Joker has some SWAT bands and they're chasing this other stuff and there's only five IMAX cameras in the world and one of them got destroyed during that chase scene which you'll see which I can totally understand because it's a great chase scene uh, when they got together to shoot this movie all the actors and principals got together and before Christopher Nolan shot anything for four days he showed them two movies every day and the and the movies were uh, Heat. Cat People, Citizen Kane, King Kong, 1933 version, Batman Begins, Black Sunday, A Clockwork Orange, and Stalag 17, because he wanted people to get the mindset of what he was kind of going for. Uh, there was a PR campaign that took place during this where one of the websites who were attached to the movie, they sent out cakes from the Joker that had cell phones shoved in them and wires out, and the cakes were vibrating. And there was actually one news organization that thought it was a real bomb, and they evacuated their entire building because of it. Uh, there's a scene in here where, where Batman is interrogating the Joker, and Heath Ledger in the, in, said to, to uh, Christian Bale, he said, I want you to beat me. He goes, I need to know what this is like, and so I want it to be real. And, and he's like, I can't do that. And he's like, no, no, you, you just, just hit me. Just, and he's like, I can't do it. But Heath Ledger is like, he didn't hit him, but he really wanted him to. And then lastly, there's a hospital scene. And the Joker is dressed as a nurse, and his name tag reads Matilda. That's actually for Heath Ledger's daughter, who is Matilda uh, Ledger. And so they thought it was kind of cute to make the Joker have her name. So anyway, let's pray and watch the movie. Father, thank you for great cinema and people with great creativity. I ask that we would be a people who uh, live lives of hope and faith and not so much the, the dreariness that a lot of this movie shows. I ask that you would uh, have us be those who live like we do have a true hope, because we do. Amen. Uh, okay, so let me see if I can sum up my ideas about Dark Knight and not have you go scratch your head and go, what? Um, I think our morality and our choices and our views, whichever character you identify most uh, in the movie, they all come under accusation. I think it's like Jesus in the desert, the devil comes to town in the form of the Joker. Uh, he accuses the mob of being cowards. He accuses the Batman, unmasked in front of everybody. Uh, let people die. Uh, you're letting people die. You need to expose your secret. He, he accuses the city of not being loyal. He says, you know, they, they like it now, but, but when they don't, they're going to they're gonna kick you out. He accuses the law, the city, and Harvey Dent. He accuses everything in regards to the law. He is an agent of accusation, of tension. He brings forth strife, uncertainty, and hopelessness. Uh, the word Satan in, in the scriptures, it means accuser. The Joker represents an accusatory ideal. 
and he mostly throughout the movie attacks everything that has to deal with the law. I mean, he attacks the Batman, he attacks you know the commissioner. They get tested. The idealist Harvey Dent gets tested. The city gets tested. Uh, but is this that's this accusatory ideal? I think Heath Ledger does a great job in the movie. Uh, in the 1990s, there was actually a comic that came out called Arkham Asylum. And the Joker is in Arkham Asylum, and one of the psychiatrists who treats the Joker says, maybe he isn't actually crazy. Perhaps he has actually evolved to live in the chaotic disorder of the relative world that we inhabit. That maybe the Joker is better able to live in the 21st century than anybody else is because he lives by its values. Our society teaches that there is no truth, everything is relative, you make your own truth, and you better not tell me what to do or what my truth is supposed to be because I have my own. No rules, no religion, no agenda. At one point, the Batman is in that interrogation cell and he's beaten the snot out of the Joker, but it doesn't matter because the Joker has nothing to be gotten out of him. Nothing means anything to the Joker. We don't even know where he comes from. He can't be tamed. In, in, in true life, nobody really lives that way, except in a movie, and you get a guy called the Joker. But our current culture's ideals, fully lived out, become the Joker. And when you see it lived out like that, it's not appealing in any way. I mean, if you look at what our culture teaches, the direct result would we would all be the Joker, every single one of us. The Joker gets everyone to break their code except the Batman, but in truth, Batman has already broken the law. He's a lawbreaker already. The person who has, I think, the hardest test in the movie is, is Harvey Dent. I think Aaron Eckhart does a great job of portraying him. You know, he's going to bring change to Gotham, bring hope, even give the pointy-eared vigilante a little bit of hope that he can retire one day. But the Joker wants to break that guy, too. I mean, Dent has become the city's functional savior. And what I mean by that is that we all have an ideal of what heaven should be like. The view, our view of heaven is typically motivated by our fears, so our view of perfection and heaven involves loss of our fears and pain and hopelessness. When we have an idea of what our heaven should look like, people try to find a way to get to that heaven. We call this a vehicle. This is what is called a functional savior the transportation method to get there. The Savior takes us from our hell, whatever our society says that is, our fears and our pain, and takes us to our heaven. If you look at magazine racks, in any grocery store, what you have is people's ideas of their functional saviors, what your heaven actually looks like. There's a cat heaven, there's a dog heaven, there's a fitness heaven, there's a sex heaven, there's a better home and garden heaven. There's a bride heaven. There's a sci-fi heaven. There's a money market heaven. There's a culinary heaven. There's a motorcycle heaven. There's a guitar heaven. And consumers, we pick up these magazines and look at the pictures of heaven we one day hope to attain. And like it's like if someone is single, and their singleness is their hell, and marriage is their heaven, their functional savior becomes the, uh, a fiancé. If a couple wants to have children and their hell is not being able to have children, their functional savior becomes children. In, in the city of Gotham, Harvey becomes their savior. He becomes their savior. And, and when he falls, everyone falls with him because he's just a man. He is the white knight. You know, where does Harvey Dent go wrong? I mean, in the movie, he actually says he knows the risk of becoming this white knight, of becoming this savior. The Joker thinks, oh, I've got to get that Harvey Dent. He's the one i got to break to make the city's downfall. But in the movie, Harvey has already compromised himself on the rooftop with the Batman and Commissioner Gordon before the Joker ever got in there. 
He says, yeah, go over there and get that guy and bring him back, knowing it's totally illegal. This is the guy who, if he, he finds a cop in, in one of the precincts and the cop's dirty, he's like, you got to get rid of him, Gordon. I, I vetted your cops. I know a lot of them are dirty. And all of a sudden, you see Harvey Dent doing the same thing that he's probably trying to get rid of some of these other cops for. You know, at, at the end, you know, at this, the Batman knows this. He, he looks at Dent. He says, you know, we caught, it's we three that caused this thing. I mean, Dent. He starts to threaten Commissioner Gordon before the Joker ever shows up. He starts, he starts threatening him, and the Joker then whispers in his ear and says, you know what, the only sensible way to live your life in this world is without rules. Everything's chaos. And the most upright person in the movie falls. The, you know, his city is blown up, his body is ruined, everything is in shambles. Cause and effect. And the writer of Ecclesiastes in 1 2 says, Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, utterly meaningless, everything is meaningless. I'll tell you, to a social progressive, I wonder how they can have any more hope than Harvey Dent has. You know, it's like life is a slip of a coin, it's just simply random chance. Harvey and the Joker are the only two by the end of the movie who live consistent with their worldview. I mean, Harvey doesn't like the, this truth, but he believes it. And he believes that he understands life now. Oh, it's just random chaos. You know, he says, you thought that we could be decent men in an indecent time, but you were wrong. The world is cruel. Harvey fails the test of a man. And I think, you know, some of us in this room have probably faced a trial and doubt and, and being accused the weight of life. Other people haven't, you know, but when you get a lot of these failures that hit us, you look at a movie like this and you start to think, well, maybe the Joker won. Maybe when we are accused and we fail, you know, that, that Satan has won. You know, the, the end of the film, it kind of looks like that. You know, but it wasn't really, in the end, the Batman or the, or the city or Harvey that was on trial. It seems that hope and faith were the two things that were on trial. The story and the summation of this film, it seems like, is that the world is not a good place to live in. The only way, you know, to really save hope in this movie is to pin all the garbage on the Batman and keeps heart, keep Harvey's secret. Batman says, sometimes the truth isn't good enough. Sometimes people deserve more. Sometimes uh, people deserve to have their faith rewarded. I mean, really, do you think it's a really good idea to lie to people so they can have faith in this world? No. No, it's not. You know, but, but this is like so much, so much preaching in a lot of I, even churches today is out there. It's, it's all revolves around us. You don't hear the name of Jesus. You hear this self-help and this lies and, and not a whole lot of truth. Jesus says in John eight thirty one and 32, it says, To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Faith is more than simply opiate for the masses. Faith must be in something worthy, you know, worthy of worship. This is why our hope is in Christ, not a politician, not a vigilante with crazy bat ears, or, or in the accuser. There is a faith that is a gift from God. Our hope is hinged to God. I also believe that there is a white knight, and our white knight atones for our sins, was tempted, but he himself did not sin. I also think something interesting at the end of the movie is that there's this little glimmer of hope that will let you sleep at night a little bit, that, that Harvey is a man. And what happens at the end of the movie is, in a sense, Batman redeems him. You know, Harvey's sins are placed on Batman in the eyes of the city. Harvey has been redeemed. And then they spit on, they vilify, they chase, and they crucify Batman. He becomes the scapegoat for Harvey. 
In the scriptures, the scapegoat comes about on a day called Yom Kippur. It is called the Day of Atonement. The high priest would make a special sacrifice. There would be two goats. One that would be killed for the sins of the people, and the other everybody would pray over, and then symbolically the sins of all the people would be placed upon that goat, and it would be sent out into the wilderness, representing God sending, sending the people's sins away. And what happens with the Batman at the end is kind of strong parables to Old Testament Judaism who saw that fulfillment in Christ. In Isaiah 53, 6, it says, We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. You know, there, there must be death for sin. Someone needed to pay for them. So Jesus dies for sin. He rises from the dead. Batman's act is symbolic. You know, did it work? You've got to wait till next summer to find out, apparently, because... <laughs> You know, even though you know the the Batman is just a man, it does actually show the need for a savior is real, and people are insufficient for the task, and only God can save people. And so you can you can have two choices when you walk out of a movie like this. You can think you know the world is just random chance, and so you're going to live like the Joker, but you'll end up in the grave like Harvey Dent, or you can believe in real hope and Redeemer who has given Himself for our sins. Uh, Psalm 103 verses 8 through 12 says this. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, so to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve, or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. And as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. That is hope, and, and that is redemption. So that's what I get out of the movie. Anybody else? Yes, but who actually deserves to die and live? Well, true. Uh-huh. And, and, and the first marriage says, I'll do it. Yeah. Like when he says, I'll do what you should have done 10 minutes ago. The problem in real life, I think they would have pulled the trigger. <laughs> I think both sides would have pulled the trigger in real life. <laughs> Hopefully that won't happen, right? I think it's amazing to watch him in this. Again, Heath Ledger does an amazing job. And I think it's also Christopher Nolan's writing of the movie as well. But it's really an amazing job of how what Christopher Nolan does in all of his movies when you watch them is he takes humanity and he just strips it away. He just strips it away and says, see, we're all terrible, which I think is great. That's a great point of scripture. We are all terrible. God is good. He doesn't actually go there, but he lets us know we're all terrible. Anybody else? It's good. Anybody not ever seen The Dark Knight till tonight? Okay. <laughs> I saw when the when he's got the knife out and he's getting ready to cut. The, you're, you're like, oh, I'm looking. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't show. It didn't show any of that. But that's. It's PG. If he was PG-13 too. Thirty-six body count. Thirty-six. Just in case you're wondering. Right. Right. Everything.
everything's different. Uh, one of the cool things, this is totally off the, the spiritual subject now, is uh, Christopher Nolan likes to do uh, real special effects and not fake, uh, not CGI. And so most of the special effects you see in that movie, everything is physically done, which is pretty cool. Yeah, the... Yeah, the IMAX in that. Which scene was it? Okay. In the in the tunnel when the in the SWAT thing when Harvey Dent's in the back of the of the SWAT van, uh, they lost. There's only five IMAX cameras in the world, and they lost one shooting that scene. Watch the special features. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's like that's kind of like my stepdad. He he likes certain movies. He goes, he goes, I don't like those kind of movies. I'm like, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> another, you want another little funny thing? Every time they started to play the Joker's theme, the Joker's theme was based on two chords, D and C, because it's DC Comics. So they made the theme based upon those two things. So it was DC. Yeah. Just anyone else? No. Yeah, there's there's a lot of interesting things that in in the background. Yes. Mhm. I do. But I think. Uh, This is true because when you see people come to church and they're in the car, they walk in church and they're like, hi, how you doing? (laughs) Yeah, I'm not so sure about the prisoners, though. I, the the impression I got the guys that were on that were ones that Harvey Dent put put away and they were murderers. That's that's the impression I have. Is that who those people were? My first thought was if I was on the boat with my kids, I would justify teaching the class because I would be saving the day. Even with all those people watching you? Well, see, that's that's the thing. You got to know that with 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 the crazy chaos that that the Joker is, you know how how do you know that you're just not blowing up your own boat? And how you know it's not going to do anything, and he's just going to blow it all up? And I mean, as soon as, as soon as he says, "Oh, the the bridges are bombed, the tun- or you know, rigged, and the tunnels are rigged," it's like I'd be using the bridge and the tunnel because I know he's lying because he wants everybody on a ferry. He made it. Next, yeah. <laughs> All right, let's let, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for, again, for cinema. But I also ask, Father, that we would be a people who hear your voice and that we would uh, be better people, uh, that we would look at the uh, grace that you have placed within humanity, that you have made us in your image, and that we would then see that image in other people and treat others with dignity and respect, and that we would always be those who not only live for but hope for the best in others and treat each other the way that we should. Thank you for being a good God to us and treating us with dignity and respect. Amen.